Adrian Plass has written a book called The Unlocking, published by the Bible Reading Fellowship. They have given us permission to broadcast his recordings, and we hear one of them now. Heaven on Earth Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When I'm in heaven, tell me there'll be kites to fly. The kind they say you can control, although I never did for long. The kind that spin and spin and spin and spin, then sulk and dive and die and rise again and spin again and dive and die and rise up yet again. I love those kites. When I'm in heaven, tell me there'll be friends to meet in ancient oak-beamed Sussex pubs, enfolded by the wanton downs, and summer evenings lapping lazily against the shore of sweet, familiar little lands, inhabited by silence or by nonsenses, the things you cannot safely say in any other place. I love those times. When I'm in heaven, tell me there'll be seasons when the colours fly, poppies splashing flame through dying yellow, living green, and autumn's burning sadness that has always made me cry for things that have to end, for winter fires that blaze like captive suns and look so cold when morning comes. I love the way the seasons change. When I'm in heaven, tell me there will be peace at last, that in some meadow filled with sunshine, filled with buttercups and filled with friends, you will chew a straw and fill us in on how things really are. And if there is some harm in laying earthly hope at heaven's door, or in this saying so, have mercy on my foolishness, dear Lord. I love this world you made. It's all I know. shadows of the earth we will lift our eyes to him 
That was good. I'd been pressing pause on a busy day, taking 10 minutes to do something that's been proven to improve sleep and memory, reduce pain and stress, and boost my mood. I'm certainly in a very mellow mood right now. Ah, I've been practicing mindfulness, also known as mindful meditation. And though it is something which has become super fashionable in recent years, it is based on some very ancient ideas and some surprising science. Meditation can have a remarkable effect on the brain. Done regularly, it can improve working memory and even change the structure and function of our brains. Research has shown that regular meditation could even be a way to counteract age-related decline in the brain. And you don't need to be a long-term or expert meditator to see positive effects. Now, I am by nature something of a pessimist with a tendency to dwell on the gloomy side of life 
And when I took up mindfulness meditation a few years ago, I was surprised to find that just a few weeks of 10 minutes a day really seemed to help my mindset. The clinically proven benefits really are both widespread and impressive. Taking some time each day to focus on your breath and check in with your body can reduce pain and stress levels, as well as boosting your immune system and well-being. So is mindful meditation something that you'd like to focus on? I'm speaking to Peter, who is based in London. Tell me, Peter, have you done meditation before? No, I sometimes get into a situation where, you know, I've got many things to think about, either work or personal life and so on. And I think I struggle sometimes with focusing on one thing and it's hard to clear the mind and focus. So one of the things with a restless mind is that also means that often you find it difficult sleeping. Is that something you struggle with, your sleep? If there are things kind of worrying me or on my mind, sometimes I'll wake up or find it hard to go to sleep. Are you a very positive kind of guy or are you a bit more eeyore Oh, that's a good question. Depends on the situation. I think I'm generally quite positive about the outside world and then perhaps a little bit more half empty when I think internally. So I'm going to be asking you to try a short guided mindfulness meditation. You have to do it for 10 minutes a day for 10 days. And it's really important you stick to it. Do you think that's going to work out for you? Yes, definitely. It's something I've thought about in the past and never actually got round to. Um, So definitely looking forward to giving this a try. A warning is you are going to find it quite difficult, particularly you have a very busy, agile mind. Someone likened it to trying to herd wild horses. (laughs) Certainly to begin with, you'll find your mind endlessly going away. So I'm looking forward very much to hearing how you get on with it. And uh, do make sure you do actually allocate at least 10 minutes a day to it. Right, yeah. It's good to ensure some discipline around it. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. We'll follow up with Peter later in the week to see how he's getting on. Meditation has been practised for thousands of years. It is part of Hindu, Taoist and, of course, Buddhist traditions. But it wasn't until the 1970s that mindfulness meditation was introduced to the West by a cognitive scientist called John Kabat-Zinn. He was interested in using Buddhist-inspired practices in a secular way to reduce stress and to study the benefits through scientific research. And there has certainly been a lot of that. Since the 1970s, there have been more than 8,000 studies involving mindful meditation. And some of the findings are truly impressive. In one small study where 17 volunteers were put through a very intense mindfulness course, they found that just eight weeks of meditation led to measurable increases in grey matter density in specific regions of the brain involved in regulating our emotions, learning and memory. Which was pretty amazing considering this was just two months. And it can also pave the road to dreamland In 2015, a randomised controlled trial with 49 older adults found that those who completed a six-week mindfulness meditation course had improvements in insomnia, fatigue and depression. It's also been shown to improve your mental health, reducing anxiety and stress. And that reduced stress could have knock-on effects on your immune system. One study took two groups of volunteers... One group were asked to meditate daily. The other group did not. Then, after eight weeks, they were all given a flu jab. Amazingly, the meditation group had a greater antibody response to the vaccine. 
I think it is really impressive that a practice which is essentially about the mind can have such a big impact on our blood cells and immune system. Having said all that, it is worth mentioning that mindfulness does not work for everyone and may even increase stress. So how does mindfulness meditation work and how can you get the most from it? I'll explore the science with a mastermind of mindfulness in a moment. First, let's check in with Peter to see how he's getting on with the challenge. So I just completed um, day five. One weird thing is there's a section of the meditation exercise where you count your breaths, count to 10 and then restart. And it's amazing how difficult it is to stay focused and count to 10. I always find myself losing track of my counting. I do feel more relaxed after each exercise and I look forward to continuing the practice to see what I can achieve. We'll check in with Peter one final time at the end of the week. First, let's explore the mysteries of the mind with Dr Sarah Lazar, an Associate Professor in Psychology at Harvard Medical School. Dr Lazar studies the neuroscience of meditation. Dr Lazar, what is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? So mindfulness is often defined as present moment awareness of experience in this open, curious, non-judgmental way. And you can be mindful anytime, anywhere, 24-7. Meditation is a formal way of training the mind where you choose one object and you focus on it. And so typically with mindfulness meditation, you pick something like, say, the breath, and you just pay attention to it in this open, curious, non-judgmental way. What are the main benefits of mindfulness meditation from your research? Well, it's really clear that it reduces stress, both self-reported stress and also biological markers of stress like cortisol and inflammation and whatnot. What we've shown is in the brain that you actually get changes in brain structure. So for instance, one of our findings was that the amygdala, which is the main fight or flight part of the brain, it actually gets smaller. And there's a correlation between the size of that and stress. So the smaller it becomes, the less stress people report. And we've shown this now in three different studies. And what's really interesting is that in one of the studies, we compared it to exercise. And exercise is really good for reducing stress, but it didn't change the shape of the amygdala. It is extraordinary, the idea that you can change the size and structure of the amygdala using mindfulness. How long did people have to be doing mindfulness meditation to actually see a change in the amygdala? We told people to practice every day for 40 minutes for eight weeks. And some people did that, but not everyone did. <laughs> and, you know, some people practice only like 20, 30 minutes a day. Some people practice only a couple of days a week. And what we saw is more or less a correlation with the amount of practice. The more practice you get, the more benefit you get. It's really clear that even short 10, 15 minutes a day, several times a week is beneficial. Now, you mentioned pain there. How can it help reduce pain? It's really effective for a wide variety of conditions, it helps reduce anxiety. There's some evidence that also helps with sleep and with pain. Definitely there is some decrease in pain with meditation, but the big change is how you respond to the pain for people with chronic pain, because oftentimes the chronic pain is not going to go away. And so if you can change your relationship to the pain, that's tremendous for them. What about the impact of mindfulness on things like dementia risk or forgetfulness? So our newest, newest study, we had people 65 to 80, and they had no previous meditation experience, and there was improvements in memory uh, over just eight weeks. These benefits were maintained for at least up to a year, and some benefits were maintained for up to two years. We showed that it sort of gave a boost to the hippocampus, part of the brain that 
declines with age. So it really does seem that it's promoting brain structure, brain function, and particularly in the context of memory and attention. Brilliant. Another good reason to take it up as I get older. Indeed. Are there some people who shouldn't take up mindfulness? Because I have read that it can have negative effects. People with a history of trauma, not that you shouldn't at all, but you should approach it very carefully. If someone has a lot of trauma in their background, they should start with five or ten minutes and definitely under the guidance of a good mental health professional and also a good meditation teacher who has experience working with people with trauma. Do you have to have a live teacher or would an app do? It's always good to have a live teacher. But I feel like the apps are a great supplement. How do you keep yourself to the task? I began to meditate some years ago, mindfulness meditation. There were mornings when I found it really difficult, when my mind just really didn't want to be trapped. Yeah. I had this image of a wild stallion trying to escape, and quite often it jumped over the fence and got away. Uh, what are your tips for me? That's part of it. That's really the key, is that with the practice, you're really starting to pay more attention to your mind in a particular way, so that as it starts to wander off, you catch it and you bring it back before it's lost. We've suggested to our volunteer they start by doing 10 minutes a day using an app and see how it goes from there. That seems like a really great way to start. So that is the science. Let's check in one final time with Peter. I'm happy to have completed the course. I liked that the meditation was stressing the importance of being aware but not judgmental of thoughts and feelings. I do plan to continue practicing meditation and following the guided meditation over the next few weeks, particularly as I start a new job in a week's time and we'll have to manage the stress that that will generate. So I'd like to see how continued practice helps with that. Overall, feeling very positive uh, about the experience and continuing it in the future.
Ian Myscoff has produced a series of talks for us based on John's Gospel. Today he examines the importance of becoming children of God. I talked last week about John's foundation laying in his Gospel introduction to Jesus, who he calls the life, the light of the world. He made us, so we belong to him. John simply states this as a non-negotiable truth. He leaves it to us to decide what to do with him. I also talked about our philosophy, Professor Neighbour, and his change of heart. I don't know how far he got in his latter years. Only God knows each person. God is reaching out and making a way for each of us. This is how John describes it from his own experience. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. A man was sent from God whose name was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through his witness all might believe. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or will, but born of God. I used to wonder how John the Baptist got into this introduction. He called himself just a voice in the desert. I came to realise that God talks with that same voice in all of our deserts. John the Baptist is quoting from the 600-year-old prophecy of Isaiah 40. It reads like this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and say to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. Rough ground shall become level, rugged places, a plain, and then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Tender words, but in them God is also levelling us up to make a way for each of us. Valleys have to be filled, mountains flattened. I think the second part is obvious. That mountain of pride of independent thinking obviously has to go if I am to receive instruction from my Creator. John the Baptist baptised people who wanted to say publicly they got it wrong. The word was repentance. Very uncool. Very necessary if God is to make a way for us. A mind reset. What about the valleys being filled up? I suggest it's that 
chasm of unbelief which lies in everyone until we choose to look up. Faith isn't a feeling, it's a moral choice. I'll repeat that. Faith isn't a feeling, it's a moral choice. C.S. Lewis describes it well in his autobiography. It was the same for me. As a university student, I chose to believe because of the wonderful attitude of God to me, expressed in the life and death of Jesus. I owed it to God, my Maker, to believe in him. And everything followed from that levelling up, to make a way. You could call it a heart reset. That last verse, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born from God. That's God talking directly to you. Believe him.